Thank, thank you. Good morning. I'm so glad some of you made it to church. We were, I, I was nervous. Um, it, it goes big walk and then it goes like the next thing and then comrades and Iron Man and uh, just well done. You know, the 10 a.m. is always full, but what I, I noticed about it is that the 8.15 has the fit people. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, moving on swiftly. We're in this series called In This Home. So, so I, you know, most of those, we, I tried to show in the, in the first week, what, all those nice, sweet things that people put, in this home, we laugh, in this home, like all of that. And then I, I typed into Google, in this home, funny. And, uh, and this is what came up. I found a couple of slides. Um, in this home, put your laundry away or I'll punch you in the face, love mom. I, I just thought it was brilliant. And then, and then this one was even better. Do not park here in this home. The wrath of the ancients will fall upon your head. Your shoelaces will not stay tied. Rabid squirrels will invade your home. Food in your refrigerator will mysteriously spoil. Your vehicle will start making that expensive knocking sound again, and, and no one will talk to you at parties. I, mean, I just love it. Like, yeah, you got your point across. Okay, but we've been doing this series in this home, and, uh, and it's been twofold. It's, it's been, what do we value? in this home, and, uh, and we've been talking about giving to this home. So the first week, I spoke about being a cheerful giver, and, and I said that was a really a thing, and being a cheerful giver didn't come from a full wallet, it came from a full heart, and the way to become a cheerful giver was to believe in the principle of sowing and reaping, and so, so we spoke about that in, in the first week, and last week, we spoke about putting God first, that in this home, we want to be a people who put God first, trust in his promises, that we, we put him first and rely on him for all the rest. And, and so Gary spoke incredibly about that. And uh, this week and next week, because in both those weeks, we said we need to raise some money to finish off our home so that we can host people. And we said, there's some of you who would have felt God putting on your heart to sow into this home. And so you, you might have one of these things. And again, if you're going to give, give cheerfully. Okay, so this is not a pressure thing. If you're feeling pressure, this, this part isn't for you. But in this little envelope here, there's one card. It's for you to take home. It's got all our account details if you want an EFT and that kind of stuff. There's another card for you to fill in a pledge. If God's put something in your heart to give, then put it into a pledge. And you can either put cash in here this week or next week. There'll be boxes at the back. But this is an opportunity for you to sow. If you do not want to sow, do not sow. There we go. But uh, at the end of the service, what will happen is some of you will, will, will know, God's put this into my heart, fill out the pledge form, hand it in at the back. There'll be some boxes. Is that cool? Okay, business done. Today, I want to talk about in this home, we receive hospitably. In this home, we receive hospitably. When I was at uh, Varsity, uh, before I was a Christian, first year, I, I needed to make money, so I did um, like temp jobs. When you do temp jobs in Durban, you see some of the strangest things known to man. Uh, I, um, I remember one temp job, you do these things because it's money and you're a student. So, so you'll do just about anything. I remember the first temp job, I was, I was temping, and there was, they asked us to do this cologne deal. 
and uh, and the Matrix had just come out. I'm that old, and uh, and so we had to dress up in black with a suit like like the Matrix. And uh, I remember I had to walk down aisles going like this, like bullets were getting shot to me whilst I sprayed people. It was it was incredible. You know, you, you couldn't pay me. You'd have to pay me a lot of money to do that now. Uh, I, I just remember, like, I did these weird things. One of the things that that I did, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this in church, but I wasn't a Christian at the time. And and so they said to they said to us, they gave us like these big bowls of suckers, huge bowls of suckers, and they said, here's the deal. On Saturday night, we will pay you, I think it was like 300 rand an hour. Now, it should, if you're a student, especially back then, like 40 years ago, if you're a student, you, you should be going like, if they're going to pay you that much, there's a problem. But, but that didn't come into my thinking anyway. And they said, here's the deal. You're going to go from one nightclub to the next. We'll pay for your cover charge. And what you need to do is go out and give these suckers away. But the way you're going to give these suckers away is you need to be sucking one, and you need to say, do you want to suck? (laughs) Now, you think about saying that with a sucker in your mouth. Anyway, no, it wasn't what you're thinking. It was, uh, do you want to fuck? And, uh, and so I went out in the first club, it was Tiger, Tiger. Within about five minutes, I watched as one of my friends, who's a little bit more nerdy, went and offered in this manner um, a, a, a really gorgeous looking girl, um, a sucker. And, uh, and quite respectfully, her Afrikaans boyfriend came up to him and, and invited him to leave. So, so he spent the rest of that club in, in outside of Tiger Tiger. Then we went to the next club and, and we went to um, City Hall and we were giving out to elderly people coming out, asking if they wanted. And, and anyway, uh, that went over. And then we went to a club called Crash. Does anyone remember Crash? You know, some of you frequented it way too much. Uh, and I walked in, and you know when you realize I am so out of my depths. I'm so, I so do not fit in here that I'm dying. Because it was all goth. Everybody was dressed in black. They had like metal stuff and piercings everywhere. And I just realized, this jock does not belong here. I, I am, it is terrifying to me. And I, you know, you flight, fight, freeze. I froze. I was utterly terrified. My, my geeky friend, he came alive. He was just giving out. Everybody was loving him. I was just... You know the feeling of not fitting in. In fact, the way the world works is there are places that you fit in, there are places that you don't fit in. But in the kingdom, it shouldn't be like that. In the beginning of last year, I took my little girl Grace from one school to another. And... Uh, and she said, Dad, I can't make friends here. And you know what that's like if you're a parent. Your, your heart like starts to break. And I, I took her to a party. It was the second week and, and someone invited her to a party. And every, all the other girls had friends, but not Grace. And I watched her trying and getting rejected. And I watched her try again. And honestly, this heart of mine was breaking. I, I was like, my little girl. And you start going, is this going to scar her? And as a parent, you start learning to pray when you're seeing that. And I started to, I could feel that pain of rejection. See, 
in the kingdom, we have a heavenly father who looks down at the rejected. And his heart just pours out to them. And so much of aims in my heart is actually for lonely people. The reason she runs a special needs school is because she saw these kids who just get alienated and rejected. And part of the reason that, that I build a church is because I want to be part of a community that welcomes lonely. It matters so much to me. And so as I speak into this, I believe that God can deposit something into you because I know how hard it is. I know what it's like to walk outside or walk somewhere and meet a whole group of people and wonder, is this crash? Like, am I gonna fit in here? Are they too smart for me? Are they too good looking? Are they too sporty? Are they too something for me? Am I gonna feel all my insecurities? Like, I've had those feelings. And I know what it's like to walk into other environments and go, flip, how much is this gonna cost me the end of this conversation? Is this gonna take my whole day? Is, it, is this, how much money does this person want? Like, I've been on the other side where you just feel used. And I've, I've ended some conversations feeling like an emotional leech came and it grabbed onto me and like, and like I'm a prune walking out of there. In fact, there are some days that I go home after really ministering my heart out to people and I get home, my wife says to me, you, go eat, go sleep, then come back and be nice. <laughs> and I feel like that is kindness to my soul. I know what it's like to feel empty and not want to give. So I'm going to preach a message that I trust the Holy Spirit is going to deposit into your heart a different way to think when it comes to hospitality. So Holy Spirit, will you anoint these words, will you get this principle in, and Lord, will you shift us as a community so that you can use us to minister to the stranger. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, Genesis 18 verse 1 starts like this. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. I don't know how to pronounce that. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. So it, just pause. It starts off with the Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove. Okay, so, so it's kind of like an intro. The writer wants us to know something Abraham doesn't know. And then, and then it says, He's sitting there at the entrance of the tent during the hottest part of the day, and he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while, rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey." All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd, chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. It's like he went to Willie's. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted meat and he served it to the men. And they, as they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abram replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now as we keep reading the story, we find out that these three men were actually angels and the primary man who says this is the angel of the Lord, Jesus. 
But this story, this moment is so special to God that the Holy Spirit inspires the writer of Hebrews to put it into Hebrews as a reminder to the rest of us. And here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 13. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. This text is the Holy Spirit going, this moment is so special, I want you to see what I see about this moment with Abraham so that you can grab onto something that he understood that you don't quite understand yet, and if you get it, it'll change you. That's what's going on in the text. Now, I love this conversation. Everyone doesn't know who's coming. I lived on a farm once. When you get visitors, you do this stuff. But Abraham, he opens everything he can open to God. He doesn't know it's God, to a stranger. And in opening everything he can open, his house, his door, his his food, in opening all of that, Jesus opens the one thing that only he can open, Sarah's womb. There's a principle here. Abraham opens his heart, Jesus opens the womb. There is a way to receive people that literally brings the kingdom of God into an environment. There is a way to look at people, there's a way to to think about people, there is a way to receive in your spirit from people in a way that brings, it literally sucks heaven onto earth. I'm going to prove this because some of you read your Bible and you're like, where is he going with this? If you've got your Bibles in Matthew 10, verse 40, it says this. Anyone who is, so Jesus is sending out the 12 disciples. He says this, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. So it's like good news. When you go out and tell other people about Jesus, if someone welcomes you, they're welcoming me. Which on the flip side is if someone rejects you, they're actually rejecting Christ so you can get over yourself. That's basically what this text is saying. Then it goes on and it says, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. So there's this first bit, anyone who welcomes you, welcomes me, and welcomes the Father. And then he reiterates it at the end. He says, even if you give a cup of cold water to one of my disciples, I will reward you. So it is a good thing to bless other Christians. This is what it's saying. Then there's this, what the heck is going on in the middle part? If you honor a prophet, you will receive the prophet's reward. So the first time I read that scripture, I was like, not a clue what is going on here. You have to often, when you can't understand what a scripture is saying, you have to look back into the Old Testament to see an example so that you can understand what it's actually talking about. So when you look back, you see a prophet by the name of Elijah. This, this principle happens again and again, but this is a really clear example. Elijah runs out of food. He's at a brook. He runs out of food. There's a drought, a famine in the land. And, and God comes to him and he says, go to Zarephath. And when you get there, you will find a widow. Ask her to feed you. 
So Elijah leaves where he is, and he goes to Zarephath. And when he gets there, he finds this widow. And the problem with the widow is that she's got no food. She's got one meal left, and then she's resigned in her heart to the fact that they're going to die. She's got a child, and she goes, my son and I, we're going to eat a meal, then we're going to die. That's where she's at. It's not like a good start. And Elijah goes up to her and he says these words. He says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. Go make your meal. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me. Now, if I was the widow, I'd be going, are you nuts? Then he goes, from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain on the land. She should have been going, la, 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 la. She she doesn't. She believes him and she makes him a loaf and she receives his reward. He gets a reward for trusting, and she receives it too. So it says this, she went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not uh, not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Remember, this is in the context of how you receive people. Here's the big idea. The way you receive a person, a Christian, the way you receive a person can literally, if you can receive and see the grace on their life, you can literally partake of the grace on their life. If you can look with eyes to see what God has put inside of a person and you honor that, you can literally somehow grab hold of it. I'll tell you how, how this works out. So on Tuesday night, I've got a few leaders around and um, I've gone to someone's house. Their daughter's really sick. <clears throat> so I, I decide I'm gonna go pray. I didn't have a spirit prompting. I just went, I'm an elder, I'm gonna go pray. So I walk in to the room, I sit down, and I said to, to Belle, Belle, what's going on? And she says, I'm so sick, I've been sick for days. And I said, can I pray for you? And she says, I'd love you to pray for me. Now, she looked at me like I was Superman. You know that faith of a child thing? You know when, when kids, they can just look at you and they just believe stuff about you that even you don't believe about you. I could, I could feel it. And so I laid hands on her. And I prayed. And as I prayed, now I get this. If you're not a Christian, you're like looking at me and going, as I prayed, I felt the power of God go straight through my body into her body. The next day I get a message from her mom. My daughter is completely well. I felt the power of God whilst you were praying. She was completely healed. That little girl, by the way she received me, was able to suck out of me something that God has put into me that I often don't even recognize. The way you receive people can release a grace onto your life that you need. 
know, neither Abraham nor the widow were rewarded because they made someone a meal. They were rewarded because their hearts were so full of faith for people. Now I want to go back to the beginning and then I'm going to wrap this up. I know what it's like to be so hurt, so rejected. I know what it's like to feel so tired, to feel so empty, to feel so poor, to feel like you just don't have anything. And the thought of walking up to a stranger and having a conversation, it's like, I, I don't want to do that. I don't have anything to give. I know what that's like. And a message like this can feel like you need to suck it up and go and give. You need to be a better person. But I don't want you to try harder. I want you to expect more. You see, when we partner with my lack, my hurt, my rejection, how hard I'm working, my last fight with my wife, how tired I am. When we partner with all of that thinking, then we go into protect zone. And this is what we do. We take out our phones, we see the person walking across the, at Woolworths, if you see me do this, please forgive me. And, and, and you, start, you start typing WhatsApps and make sure you don't look up, you just like look like, what are we doing? We're self-protecting. Or we go watch Netflix. I, I saw this thing that said Netflixing, a verb, to watch an entire series nonstop, followed by a legitimate way of getting out of social responsibility. <laughs> what do we do? We, we're protecting. And we get ourselves into a space where we go, this, this next journey, it'll just be me and Jesus. Because I am too tired to involve myself with people and strangers especially, stay away from me. I am going to, me and Jesus. You know what we call this? Self-sufficiency. Even when it's just with Jesus. And you miss out on the angel who wants to open the door that only the angel can open. And you miss out on the prophet who can feed you with the only food that's available. And what I've started to realize is that there are people in our communities who are missing out on business opportunities and missing out on friendships and missing out on, on opportunities in God and receiving grace. They're missing out on miracles that God has stored up for, for them through someone that they don't know yet, a stranger. And God's going, will you expect more? Because if you expect more, you'll look at them differently. And I will reward you for giving them a cup of Water, and I will reward you if you just look at them with my eyes to see what I've put inside of them. I will begin to shift you. And if you're so hurt and so empty and you're so spent, why don't you invite the angel of the Lord who says, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you'll let me in, I'll come and have a meal with you and we will dine together. And he would go on to say, and I will forgive you of your sins, and I will heal your diseases, and I will minister into your needs. But I want you to show hospitality to strangers, because I've got even more for you. It just comes in that person.
for some of us, you have got yourself locked up. You're living self-sustained lonely. And there's someone out there who's got what you need and you, you're not reaching out, you, you're just living. And you can't make it. You weren't designed to live self-sustained. You were designed to be outside. And the thing that's gonna hurt us so much is if we become a community that doesn't give and take. If we become a community that just gets enough of me, give a little bit extra to other people. If we become that kind of community, we're gonna miss out on the kingdom of God and you're gonna, we're gonna hurt. But if we come a, become a community who gets this principle that in other people, Jesus has what you need. If we become that kind of community, it just shifts. But I wanna wrap up today by encouraging you in our coffee area. I know 50% of you just, just, just want to encourage you. Ask God if there's a stranger. And for those of you who are in so much pain, I want to give you a moment. There's, someone's going to come up here and play, and I'm, I'm going to give you a moment to open the doors of your heart so that Jesus can come in and give you the courage to step out. So can I invite you to, to stand? Is that all right? If, that's, if that was you, if you, I saw lots of people crying. You cry when you're lonely. I see lots of people isolated. Lots of people with unforgiveness who just, you can't get over it to step out. If, if that's you, just put up your hands. Be humble. And go, God, this is me opening up my heart. You're knocking, please come in. I need you first. I need you to just give me some courage to heal me and to strengthen this heart so that I can, I have the courage to go out. God, I believe you, but right now I'm just too sore. Please come in. Please come in. Please come in and dine with me. And Jesus, I just pray that you begin to heal people who have isolated themselves, whose conversations avoid anything of the heart who's, who have shut themselves off. I pray, Lord Jesus, that something of this message would de- go deep inside and I pray that you begin to restore and resuscitate and you start to turn this into a community that needs one another and is okay with that. I ask for your grace on us. In the power of Jesus' name. Amen.